This is Marathon Training Academy, Episode 308. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we inspire and empower you to run a marathon and change your life. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we take a look back at Angie's 50-state marathon quest as she prepares to run her final state tomorrow. This has been a 12-year project in the making. So today is a little stroll down memory lane. And of course, to get help pursuing your running goals and crossing the finish line, you can get help inside the Academy with our amazing content, back podcast episodes, and of course, our coaching program. Learn more about that when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. So guys and gals, a little bit different episode today. We are actually sitting in a hotel room. That's why perhaps things sound a little different than they normally do. Because tomorrow Angie's running her 50th state marathon here in Hawaii. That's where we are. So aloha to all of you from the big island. We're here at Waikoloa Beach where the Revel Coolia Marathon starts and ends. So unless she is somehow swept away in the sea... Angie is going to be running her 50th state tomorrow. Angie, how do you feel? Wow. Um, <laughs> it feels a little bit surreal. I, I think always when I travel and then have a race, it kind of feels like, what am I even doing? You know, because you're out of your normal schedule and everything. But Yeah, our normal schedule does not involve lying on the beach, right? <laughs> no. And we've got a time difference here. Um, so... We've been like waking up at 4.30 in the morning, like, okay, yeah. what do we do with ourselves? <laughs> no, right. I'm really excited about running the Revel Coolia Marathon in Hawaii tomorrow, but we wanted to sit down behind the mic before that and just kind of talk back through my journey. That's right. Before we came, I was checking the weather and they had a huge snowstorm up on the mountain because a lot of people don't know, but they've got some serious elevation here on the Big Island. I think it goes up to 13,000 feet. So back home when people were asking me if I was excited about going to Hawaii, I was like, yeah, it's been snowing there. And people, <laughs> and you get this look, what? <laughs> it does snow in Hawaii, <laughs> but it's also very beautiful. You can get snow in one part of the island and you can get 80 degrees on the beach in another part. Totally awesome. Amazing, amazing place. So let's take a look back, Angie, at your 50 state journey. Like I said, a little different episode. If you're just listening to this podcast for the very first time, I guess we should let you know that Angie has been on a personal goal, a quest of running a marathon in all 50 states. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And we should probably add that it's involved more than 50 marathons <laughs> up to this point because I have repeated a few states and I've done some other countries as well. So yeah. So what made you decide that you wanted to do this to run a marathon in every state? Well, I didn't decide it in the beginning. I mean, in the beginning, just the fact of running one marathon is pretty mind-blowing. You know, it's overwhelming. There was a lot of nerves and excitement, of course. So I didn't really think beyond that first marathon, to be honest. And I don't think it was probably until maybe I had um, eight or nine marathons under my belt. And I saw people who were part of something called the 50 State Club, where they ran a marathon in all 50 states. And I thought, oh, that would be a really cool goal. You know, maybe that will be something that I pursue at some point. And of course, by then we had been doing MTA for a while and we both love to travel. So I thought, what a great way to do marathons and be able to travel to all the states and just, you know, experience the United States in just a different way and be able to share it with our listeners. So let's, let's just go through the states. So your very first marathon was in 2008, the Country Music Marathon in Nashville, Tennessee. Of course, at that time, you had no idea if, if you were even going to do another marathon after that because it was your very first. You were extremely nervous. I mean, you trained as good as you knew how in those days. Yeah, I had a lot of injury issues um, while training for that first marathon because I didn't do any sort of cross training. I basically just ran. I didn't listen to my body very well. So it was like a lot of the mistakes that, you know, first timers can make and dealt with IT band issues and back pain, but you know, still it was it was very exciting and You should have been listening to the MTA podcast. <laughs> I would have if it had been available. <laughs> but still an epic accomplishment. And you finished in what time? Uh, yeah, I finished in 4 hours, 10 minutes and 15 seconds. 
So that's pretty good for your first marathon. I, I mean, I had no idea what was good, what was you know. I was just <laughs> very, very happy to be able to uh, go the distance and cross the finish line, and yeah, it was it was very exciting. But I had really had no idea what to expect. So shout out to everyone out there training for your first marathon this year in 2020. You guys can do it. You have what it takes. Your second state, and we're going to go in chronological order, okay? Your second state was Arkansas, which happened to be the same race uh, where I did my first half marathon. Yeah, my third marathon and second state, I should say, was the Little Rock Marathon in Little Rock, Arkansas. And this was just five months after I had had our third child. That's right. So it was postpartum, coming back from having that first baby. Um, there's a lot of challenges, obviously, for those who have been pregnant and had a baby of rebuilding your running base. My core strength wasn't where it should be. So, you know, I, I didn't go into the race feeling like I was in very good shape. And, of course, there is just training, the struggle of training when you have two little kids and then a baby that you're breastfeeding. It was a challenging, a challenging race. I remember I walked the second half and it still felt very hard. <laughs> Sometimes you get to a point where walking feels just as hard as running. Um, so I finished that marathon in five hours, eight minutes, and 14 seconds. And to date, it's the largest finishing medal that you own, the Arkansas uh, Little Rock Marathon. Yeah, their stick is kind of the, these huge, huge medals. And I mean, that was back in 2011. Yeah, they're like twice the size now. So I'm sure they're just ginormous. <laughs> <laughs> they're like the size of a laptop. That's right. Your next state that you did was Washington State. We try to visit every year because my parents live out there. And we did this terrific little marathon on the Olympic Peninsula. Yeah, it was called the North Olympic Discovery Marathon. And it was my fourth marathon, third state. And the thing I remember about this race was actually before it started, and I was sitting around talking to some women who had shirts that said Marathon Maniacs. And so I just asked them, you know, what does that shirt mean? And they told me all about the club. And they said, all you had to do to be a member was to run two marathons in two weeks or three marathons in 90 days to qualify. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. I'm too busy with three little kids. And they said something like, oh, you'd be surprised what you can do if you want to. And so hmm. that seed was kind of planted in my head. Like, I wonder if I could do that. Yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah. That was a great race for sure. I finished in four hours, 11 minutes, and 21 seconds. And next, you went to New York State. Yes. I did the Wine Glass Marathon in Corning, New York as my fifth marathon. And this time I was training to get faster. You know, I pretty much recovered from having the baby and was able to lose some weight and feel like I was, you know, kind of getting my body back kind of thing. And so this was the first time I finished sub 345. And I remember running with a lady who was trying to qualify for Boston. And so it was kind of like another seed was planted in my mind thinking, wow, you know, that would be really awesome to qualify for Boston because I just had never visualized myself doing that before. Mm hmm because I didn't feel like I was at that level of a runner yet. But the course was very beautiful. They gave out great swag there. And my sister Autumn ran it as her second marathon. And our other sister Amy spectated and watched our youngest son, who was about a year old at the time. So that, was, that seems like a very long time ago. And the next state that you conquered was the state of Missouri, where we were living at the time. We both ran a marathon together. It was actually my first marathon in I can still remember many, many details about it. <laughs> yes, we had decided to stick together so I could help pace you during this race. and The St. Louis Rock and Roll Marathon. Yes, I remember that the pace for me felt easy, but it was really mentally challenging and wearing on me to try to keep you encouraged and on track. I remember a couple of points where I was like running backwards, trying to encourage you to start running again because yeah. as the miles stacked up, you wanted to walk longer and longer at the aid stations. Well, I went from a total desk potato to running my first marathon. And yeah, it was definitely the most physically difficult thing I've ever done was that first marathon. For some reason, I signed up for more and more, though. So, <laughs> All right, the next state that you did was Indiana. You ran the Indianapolis Monumental Marathon, which is the race is still going strong. Yeah, that's right. It was my seventh marathon. And this was my third marathon in 90 days to qualified for Marathon Maniacs like I had thought about earlier in the year and I remember it was a cold day and I went out with the pacing group I was kind of you know maybe hoping for another good time but early in the race one of the pacers disappeared and never came back and eventually the second pacer just like vanished as well 
Um, so needless to say, the pace group fell apart. And I remember learning from that point on, like never rely solely on the pace group to get you there. Always have like a plan B, always be ready and willing to pace yourself if you have a specific finish time. Right. Um, but I mean, it was, it was a great marathon. They put on a really great event. And he finished in three forty-seven forty-six, so good finishing time. And the next state was Louisiana. We went to the New Orleans Rock and Roll Marathon, a race that I really like. I've been there several times. This particular year, 2012, I wasn't able to run because I was watching the kids. But we stayed at the fabulous Jury Hotel downtown, and you ran that amazing race in the flat city of New Orleans. Sometimes it gets hot, though. Yeah, I remember this was the first race that I was purposely trying to Boston qualify at. Um, I trained really hard, and was going for my BQ time. At the time, I was under age 35, so the the time standard was 3.35. And I came up a minute and 46 seconds short, so I finished in 3 hours, 36 minutes, 46 seconds. It was a great finishing time, um, something I should have been very proud of, but I was just so bummed that I missed my BQ by that amount of time. So, you know, it was like one of those things where you just do your best and you can't control every outcome. I remember the first half of the marathon went great, but then it got really warm on the second half, kind of out by Lake Pontchartrain. And it was kind of lonely out there. Most people in rock and roll races tend to do the half marathon. That's their most popular distance. (laughs) I remember I fell apart mentally a little bit towards the end, like after mile 16. And I had to really, really dig deep during that out and back section that seemed to stretch on forever. Yeah, it's hard to stay on (laughs) an aggressive pace to try to BQ after mile 16. Yes. And I overdressed. I didn't think it would be that warm. So I was wearing like capri pants and like a short sleeve shirt and like compression socks. And I was like, whoa, I'm way too hot out here in the sun. Yeah. But still, it was a great experience. I mean, I think it was the first time I'd ever been in New Orleans and we really enjoyed exploring the city and eating great food. So yeah, all in all, it was a great trip. And then next you went to the Kentucky Derby Marathon in Louisville, Kentucky. That's right. Now, that was my ninth marathon, and this was going to be my second BQ attempt. It was a couple months after the New Orleans Rock and Roll Marathon, and I was a bit surprised how hilly parts of the course were. At the time, we lived in an area that was pancake flat, so I didn't really do much for hill training. But they put on a great race there in Louisville. It was really cool running by Churchill Downs and some of the beautiful areas around the city. I remember being around mile 22, and there was just hill. It seemed like hill, hill, hill. And I knew that my Boston qualifying time was slipping away, and I felt like walking and giving up. But I kind of just had to, like, give myself, like, a mental slap in the face. And I was just like, all I can do is my best right here. And if I start walking on these hills, if I give up, I'll be really disappointed in myself later. Mm. So I just decided I'm going to do my best. I'm going to leave it all here. I pushed as hard as I could. That was your mantra, leave it all here. Leave it all here, yeah. And I finished in 3.35.41, which was 41 seconds short of my BQ time. So obviously I was disappointed, but I was also very proud of myself because I did give it my all. I did my very best. That was what I had in me that day. And and you just have to be proud of yourself when you give it your all. This ended up being my marathon PR for six and a half years. So, yeah. you know, I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> I probably would have been more proud of it. <laughs> but really what you guys are witnessing here is the evolution, the story of struggle to achieve a Boston qualifying time. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people who are pursuing a Boston qualifying time. And there are some very, very lucky people that qualify for Boston on their first or second marathons. But for a lot of us, it's a, it's a very difficult struggle. You know, you may really train hard and have times where you get so close, but so far away. And, you know, as you'll hear, it was, it was still a while before I qualified for Boston. <laughs> So the next date was Illinois, where we went to this ridiculous marathon you somehow talked me into. (laughs) I think by now, you already had this 50-state quest up and going. So you're looking for races in states that are at convenient times, not necessarily races that everybody wants to go to. Right. So yeah, when you're doing a 50-state quest, you kind of look at your time availability and you look at, okay, like 
which races can I drive to and get to easily, which ones are on weekends that work for my schedule. Yep. And you end up doing sometimes some interesting and obscure races. <laughs> like the Screaming Pumpkin Marathon in Peoria, Illinois. In spite of what I just said, I'm actually glad we did it because it was hard. But we got these really cool jackets that we still wear to this day. <laughs> yeah, it was very unusual. It was like around Halloween time. So it had Halloween theme and it started at night. So the big thing with the race is that you were supposed to predict your finish time. And the person who came as close to finishing to midnight as possible was like the winner. Yeah. And so you, there was like staggered starts depending on you know how long it would take you. And they didn't allow any kind of watches or GPS devices out there. And it was through a cemetery. Mm-hmm, like five loops, I think. It was pretty cold. And that was my second full marathon. And we were running it together. So I'm sure you had to like drag me along. We finished... I think well after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually pregnant at that point in time. Yeah, that's right. So it was like early in the pregnancy. So I didn't feel like that great. So we both kind of agreed just to take it easy. So we finished that one in five hours, seven minutes and 50 seconds. All right. And then next is Oklahoma. Angie ran the Route 66 marathon in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I did the half in uh, November of 2012. That's right. And this race, they I mean, they put on a great event. Yeah, they do. And they have kind of like special swag and things for if you're like a marathon maniac or a half fanatic or 50 stater, they do these special medals. There's That's like right. special tents afterward with food if you're a member of the club. So they really like go all out. Plus they have like what they dub as the shortest ultra So if you like go like a little bit further, then you get like this, you know, coin. It's like a one-tenth of a mile or something. (laughs) It's pretty short. I didn't end up doing it, but I finished in four hours, 15 minutes, and eight seconds. I think I was about 14 weeks pregnant at the time. So I, you know, I kind of took it easy and just kind of listened to my body as I was running that one for sure. And then fast forward to the next year uh, in the spring, in April of 2013, you did the Garmin Marathon in the land of Oz, which of course is in Kansas. Yeah, well, in the ensuing months, I ended up having um, a miscarriage halfway through my pregnancy at about almost 19 weeks. And so that was really tough, um, definitely unexpected. There were some genetic issues. Um, So I had a period of time where I needed to recover from going through that. And I ended up running a couple of marathons, repeat states that spring leading up to the Garmin Marathon in Kansas. So the Garmin Marathon was my 15th marathon overall. So this marathon is Wizard of Oz themed, and every year the medal is a little bit different, like a different character. I think it was the Tin Man the year that we did it. Pretty nice medal. Yeah, very nice. I finished in three hours, 51 minutes, and 14 seconds. Yeah, it was was a really enjoyable marathon. It's on the smaller side, but great Midwestern marathon. So the next date that Angie did was... West Virginia. She ran the Hatfield-McCoy Marathon in June of 2013. And this is a pretty zany race. It celebrates the Hatfield-McCoy history in that area. You know, the feud between the Hatfields and the McCoys. And the race is themed accordingly. And Angie, you can also count this as Kentucky if you wanted to, right? It's either one or the other. The race starts in West Virginia, but it ends in Kentucky. So if you're going for your 50 states, you can count it as one or the other. And they classify runners. You kind of get put in either the Hatfield or the McCoy teams. They do like a reenactment um, the day before the race. Small marathon, though. Small marathon. But they do attract a good number of runners. And it's it was hilly, hot, humid. <laughs> Here we did it. Yep. Um, But I remember it being a pretty fun race, and that was West Virginia. Then we went to the great state of Montana, Angie's home state, and we ran the Missoula Marathon. I ran it as well. This was in July of 2013. Fantastic marathon. Yeah, it's obviously I'm biased because I'm from Montana, (laughs) but they put on a great event there. I really recommend this one to anyone who wants to do a race in Montana. They bus you up. And they had fireworks at the start of the race, and it's just really beautiful getting to run um, through the mountains as the sun is coming up. They had a great post-race kind of festival and food. And this might be the first time I finished ahead of you in a marathon. I don't know why that happened. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I finished in 4.22.16, and you were somewhere ahead of me. So How did that happen? (laughs) I don't know. I think because I had done, like, it was my fifth marathon of the year, 
So I'd been doing a lot of races and I just, you know, my body was tired and... I'm going to bask in the glory of that one. (laughs) That's right. So we did that marathon as part of a drive out to Washington State and back. So we're kind of doing a long summer trip. And then on the way back from that trip, you found a small marathon in Utah so that you could cross Utah off your 50 state list. It was actually 10 days after the Missoula Marathon and it was called the Deseret News Classic Marathon in Salt Lake City. And this one, they bus you to the top of a mountain. It was a downhill marathon. It's going to be like tomorrow. Totally not trained for it. First, I remember the bus that I was on, it was like these kind of like narrow roads. The bus driver took a wrong turn and then had to execute this like backing maneuver. I thought they were going to back us off the side of this mountain. Literally, I had to close my eyes. It wow. was bad. Anyway, we, we got to the top you know, alive, clearly. (laughs) And I remember the altitude really was was messing with me, just the dry air. I got like a nosebleed during the marathon, Mm. like that lasted for a few miles. I've never had a nosebleed before or since like that. And it was was definitely difficult on the quads, just all the downhill. That one was kind of a grind towards the end, but great. It was a great marathon. I mean, beautiful, beautiful views. So the, the name Deseret was what the Mormons called Utah. Originally, so they still have the Deseret newspaper, and there's a, a big parade the day that you did the marathon. So I, I remember you saying, as you're running into the city toward the finish line, there were people lining the sides of the streets, but they were all there for the parade. <laughs> so, unlike a marathon where people are cheering the runners, this time people are like just looking at you indifferently. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, you've seen those signs um, at a race that say worst parade ever. Yeah. Well, literally people are looking at us like, where's the parade and why are you running by? <laughs> it was it was weird. Okay, the next date is Mississippi. That's right. Did the Tupelo Marathon um, in Mississippi on September 1st of 2013 as well. So I was racking up a lot of races that year. You talk about a hot hot day who yeah they started this one like at five Five in the the morning morning, um, because just to try to beat the temperatures but still it was hot hilly humid and i think the first maybe hour of the race was in the dark their theme is trample the weak hurdle the dead i think the only thing we hurdled was roadkill (laughs) that's the dead yeah exactly (laughs) it was was, there were dead things remember when we finished because we ran it together the final aid stations were just abandoned and there was no water Oh, yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that one. It's a fun marathon. They give out these awesome skull and crossbone medals and tie-dye t-shirts. So that's the Tupelo Marathon. And then next, we went to Ohio that same month and did the Air Force Marathon, and I did half. That's right. That was in Dayton. I mean, of course, this is a really well-organized race. I mean, everything runs like clockwork. I remember, though, the parking to get to the marathon. It was a muddy mess. It was muddy. It was kind of rainy and wet. And it was just like this one lane traffic and we're like so close to the parking area, but just to get into the parking, I'm like, we are going to totally miss the start. I have a long history of stressing out before races about logistics, like getting there. That is true. And she's never missed one yet. (laughs) Knock on wood. (laughs) Like once I'm in the corral waiting for the race to start, I, I tend to settle down because I'm like, All I can do now is put one foot in front of the other and do my best. But I ended up finishing that one in 4 hours, 14 minutes, and 26 seconds. And then next, we went to Alabama in December of 2013 and ran the Rocket City Marathon in Huntsville, Alabama. This is a marathon that we did together. That's right. I remember this race, they did not allow headphones. They had some interesting rules with this one. Another thing that stands out, like, is in the first couple miles, a lady, like, right in front of us slipped and fell because it was a little bit wet. I remember that. And she, she, like, she went was, down hard. She Ooh. was going to be going out for a BQ that day. I know. Yeah. So, I mean, she managed to get back up and try to shake it off. But I remember feeling really bad for her. Just, ugh. This is the first and only time I got sick during a marathon and ended up losing it at the finish line. After I crossed, I had to go, like, find some bushes. We must have finished pretty close together because I remember remember seeing you vomit in the bushes. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, where's the food? And Trevor's over there vomiting. (laughs) Yep. So if it happens, folks, it's okay. You will survive. That's right. Next, we went to South Carolina and did the Myrtle Beach Marathon in uh, February of 2014. Had a nice meetup after the race. Yeah, we did have a lot of listeners who came to that event. Yeah, I remember Fody. And I think his wife, Judy, was with him. Maybe a son as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2014. Chris Monosmith, a longtime listener. 
who uh, we now live in the same town and go to church <laughs> with him. That's right. Yeah, that was a great time. Of course, Myrtle Beach is just beautiful. It's the off season, so there's not a ton of tourists there at that time of the year. And of course, it's chillier, but a lot of it's along the ocean. So it was pretty windy, I remember. But flat. But flat, very flat. So it's a good flat marathon. Um, I finished that one in three hours, 54 minutes, and 43 seconds. And you were just a little bit ahead of me because I finished sub four as well. That's right. That was your first sub four marathon, wasn't it? I think so. And then Angie did the River Towns Marathon in Pennsylvania. Yeah, this was the first time I'd done a marathon in Pennsylvania. We, we didn't live there at the time. And this marathon is not going anymore, but it was just a super tiny one. In Danville, Pennsylvania. I don't even know where that is. It's a really beautiful area, actually. Yeah, and my sister Autumn did the half marathon. And we had some listeners that we had met earlier, um, Jim and Terry from Pennsylvania. And they came out to this race to cheer me on. It oh, was nice. it was so special to be able to see them. And a longtime um, academy member and, and coaching client of mine, Fody, was there as well. We got to meet up before the race. So even though it was a small race, there was some wonderful people there that made it um, a lot better. And it, it was kind of a combination of road and trail. Um, but yeah, great race. I finished in three hours, 55 minutes and four seconds. The next race you did for your 50 state quest was in Oregon in Portland at the foot traffic flat. This was a fantastic day for you. Yes. This was coinciding with our summer trip out West. Um, and we met up with your parents. This race takes place on Savi Island. And I had been training to try to BQ again. Um, at this point in time, I was over age 35. So my Boston qualifying time was 3:40 or less. And so I really had high hopes that I was on the right track. I actually, I was, we were signed up to run the Chicago marathon in October and this was going to be, I wasn't trying to BQ at this race. Now that I think about it, this was going to be a race to just test my fitness to make sure I was on track for Chicago. And it's really nice and flat. And I remember in the early miles, like everything felt effortless. I like would look down at my watch and I'd be like running sub eight minute miles. Like, whoa, I need to slow down. This feels so good. You know, I'm like, oh, well, and kind of trying to do math and calculate in my head. By the time I got to mile 16, I was like, wow, if I can keep up this effort, then, you know, I'd probably have a chance of Boston qualifying. Since I hadn't gone into the race planning to try and be cute, I was having a hard time wrapping my head around it. (laughs) Um, And I'm kind of a person too, who doesn't like to count my chickens before they're hatched. I like to um, under promise and over deliver. So I'm like thinking like, well, anything yeah. could still happen. You know, I, I remember f- that look on your face because I finished the half marathon, then went back to the car and I saw you run by and I knew what the time was. And I, and I looked at you and I said, Angie, you're going to BQ. <laughs> and you look back to me like, I don't know. <laughs> like a finish line is right there. I could trip and fall. You never know. <laughs> okay. You don't want to jinx it. It was surreal. I mean, I, I was like kind of having an out of body moment. So after 25 marathons, and several Boston qualifier attempts, you were able to BQ in Portland, Oregon. That's right. I finished in 3.36.12, which gave me a decent uh, cushion for a Boston qualifying time. And yeah, I was just ecstatic after the race. I mean, just, you know, it was, it was almost unbelievable. I mean, it was something that I had been building up to for a long time. And then I remember they had like all these great fruit stands on Savi Island and we got a bunch of like fresh fruit, just kind of like gorged ourselves after the race. And oh, that was awesome. Yeah, that was, it was very exciting for sure. Then the next race was in Virginia at the Marine Corps Marathon. Well, it wasn't the next race, but the next state. Well, that's right, because we did Chicago in between, but we already counted Illinois. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Marine Corps Marathon is just amazing. Most patriotic race start I've ever seen. <laughs> exactly. I remember Sean Aston was there hyping up the crowd. He was like a special guest. So you got him like making announcements, and then you got the national anthem, and the military flyover, and then a wounded veteran parachutes in with the American flag and I don't remember if there was cannons or anything or fireworks but yeah it was a it was an epic start and it's a big race and you go all through Washington DC and I, th- I remember thinking man it'd be great if we can get Sean Aston on the podcast what an exciting guest and he's since come on the podcast like three times I think yeah yeah it was pretty amazing we had a huge MTA meetup 
That's just right. a great turnout. Um, some people who are, you know, still friends to this day. The last part of the marathon, you have to run uphill to actually cross the finish line. <laughs> so it's challenging. And then they have um, military members giving you your medal. And yeah, it's a great experience. And the next state is Georgia, where Angie did a race that's hard to pronounce. What is it called? It's called the Chickamauga Battlefield Marathon in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia. It's actually near Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah, this was two weeks after the Marine Corps Marathon, and it was one of those that I specifically really had to dig for, you know, to find something in the state of Georgia. So it was a really small marathon, but it was also a really neat race because it went through a Civil War battlefield, and it was it was very beautiful. I do remember at this race, there was a controversy because a lady cut the course on purpose. The winner was found to be a cheater. That's right. So there's kind of a controversy afterwards. I think she just kept denying it even though it was obvious she would have ran like a world record um, half marathon if she finished you know on the time that her splits indicated right and this was not a world marathon record course <laughs> by any means um, but yeah it was it was a enjoyable race I finished that one in three hours 54 minutes and 41 seconds and then we went to Texas and did the San Antonio rock and roll marathon that was a month later and even in December Texas can be a bit warm so I remember kind of sweating through the last half of that one. I remember we got to stay at the Drury Plaza Riverwalk, one of my favorite locations of the Drury Hotels. And what's cool is a lot of these races we've gone to, we've got to stay at the, at the Drury. Yeah, they, they've been a great partner. And So the lesson here is, folks, stay at the Drury. <laughs> Use our promo code. It'll save you 15% off your room. That's right, and you'll you'll have a better race experience. <laughs> Take it from us. That's where the runners stay. <laughs> That's right. And then after that, we went to Maryland. Yeah, three weeks later, we went to Maryland. Another race you just sort of found on the fly. We were in Pennsylvania visiting family over Christmas, and I found this one. It was on December 31st. It was the last day of 2014, and it was an indoor marathon. And I think that's one of the reasons I really wanted to do it, because... There aren't many indoor marathons out there, and I kind of wanted to have some variety in my races and never had done one before. So at the last minute, did the Hawk Indoor Marathon. I don't believe they even have it going anymore. No, I think they moved it. Yeah. So we go up to Pennsylvania to see family for Christmas, and Angie's like, Merry Christmas. Nice to see you. I'm going to go run a marathon. <laughs> Later. Something like that. We left our kids with my sister. <laughs> and this marathon it just goes around a track at a, uh, it was like a local college in Hagerstown, Maryland, right? Yeah, it was a 200-meter track, I believe. So with this race, they capped it at 50 runners because the track could really only support that many, and they had a marathon and a 50K. So for the marathon, it was 211 laps of this 200-meter course. This is the marathon that you won. So if you ask Angie if she's ever won a marathon, the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, but I always have to add that I was... Only one of three women doing the marathon. Yeah, so. but you smoked those women. <laughs> I don't know about that. I finished in four hours, 14 minutes, and four seconds. Did it, you feel like a hamster? It was mentally challenging. I think every so many laps, they had us change direction. And then they had like a speaker system set up in the gym. They were playing music, and runners could do requests if they wanted. <laughs> that's right. And you said, play Chariots of Fire, and then everyone started running slow. <laughs> slow motion. And that's how she won. <laughs> no. <laughs> the next state was Massachusetts, where Angie was able to run the storied Boston Marathon because she qualified back in 2014. Yes, I got to run the 2015 Boston Marathon. For someone who had set their sights on qualifying for Boston many years previously and it, you know tried so hard, it was just like a dream come true to be able to be in Boston. We actually stayed with a listener yep. who lived outside of the city. Jason Pina. It was an epic weekend, and we had a huge meetup. It was kind of cold, but you ran... A great time, finished in what, 3.43? Yes. I remember finishing and... Shivering. Shivering. Just So I remember by the time we, I finally you know, found you, my teeth were just like clacking together. I was so cold. <laughs> it took me a long time to get warm. And now Angie has the fabulous purple jacket with orange stripes. The color wasn't fabulous the year I did it, <laughs> but you know. Who doesn't want to wear that? <laughs> That's right. And then the next state was Nebraska. We did the Lincoln Marathon in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's right. It was my 32nd marathon. And it was a warm, warm day and very humid. There was a lot of carnage out there. 
There was. There were several people who were taken away by ambulance for heat-related issues. The race, I mean, did well with providing support. I was so happy to finish because of the heat. You finish in the stadium. Uh, my time was 4.07.02. One of the best parts of it was being able to see my coaching client, Pat, finish his marathon and run a great time. And so it was just wonderful to be able to be part of that as well. And then next we went to Colorado, where Angie did possibly her most difficult marathon. Yeah, I would say this was the most challenging one for sure. It was the Leadville Trail Marathon. So it starts in the town of Leadville, which is at 10,000 feet. And we were still living in Missouri, you know, completely unacclimated to the altitude. I remember just walking around town the day before the race. I was getting short of breath. (laughs) I'm like, oh, great. (laughs) This does not bode well for my marathon finish time. And you go straight up a mountain, running on snow, and then down, right? That's right. Yeah, so you just keep climbing from there. And the last mile to get up to Mosquito Pass, which is the highest point of the race, it's like this narrow, snowy trail that has to accommodate two-way traffic for people who are already coming down. And it's windy, it's freezing, and it was slow. I was, I would take a few steps and just like stop to breathe, and then take a few more steps and stop to breathe. And I ended up finishing in seven hours, eleven minutes, and seven seconds. So my slowest marathon. But I was completely proud of myself for finishing just because <laughs> I was not well-trained for that type of race. It was one of those races that kind of reframes what hard is for you. So you can compare future hard things to that and think, okay, well, at least this is not the Leadville Marathon. And I remember thinking of all the people who do the Leadville Trail 100 miler every year and thinking, oh, this is basically one-fourth of what that is like. Like so much respect, you know. <laughs> And that was part of another summer trip where we were driving out west and back. And in order to squeeze in another state while you had the opportunity, you found a race in Idaho. It ended up being a 40-miler, though. So you're like, eh, should I do it? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, this may have not been my brightest idea. So it was seven days after Leadville, and it would be my first ultra marathon. But I'm, like, jacked up on... You know, like, oh, I just finished Leadville. I can do anything kind of thing. (laughs) So, yeah, this was in Idaho. It was called Tabone and Back. So it started in the town of Idaho Falls, and it goes out to this little town called Bone, Idaho, in the foothills of the mountains. So it basically goes to Bone and Back. Exactly. So it's 20 miles out to Bone and then 20 miles back. Most runners did this as part of a relay, but they also had the solo version, and I was one of a few runners who did the solo thing. Didn't you get like second place? Yeah, I was the second woman overall to finish. Um, My finish time was seven hours, 34 minutes and two seconds. 2015 was a huge year because the next state you do is New Mexico. And I guess just for the heck of it, you're like, how about I just run two marathons back to back days on a weekend? So you did the New Mexico Park Series on July 25th and then another marathon at a different park July 26th. That's right. As part of the 50-state journey, I was trying to not just pick like the easiest marathons I could find. I was trying to find some diverse races and experiences, and I'd never done a back-to-back, like, you know, two marathons in two days. And, you know, there's always that thought in your head, like, can I do this? Do I have what it takes? I knew I had what it takes physically, but do I have what it takes mentally? Because I think that is a lot of the challenge is running a marathon, and then having to get up the next day and do it all over again. (laughs) Um, But it was really beautiful. I remember in New Mexico, it was a gorgeous setting, and it was put on by the Mainly Marathon series. So they have these courses, which are basically like a mile loop, and you just run that loop over and over again in 26 times. Yeah, and these races were close to Taos, New Mexico, if anyone's wondering. So how did you feel after running two marathons back-to-back? Well, I remember after the first one, I I took it pretty easy because my hamstring had started hurting partway through the race. And so I finished in four hours, 48 minutes and 49 seconds. Later that day, we were at a grocery store trying to pick up some food for our family. And I ran my foot over with a cart (laughs) and it like cut the top of my foot. I remember that. It was so painful. I think I was wearing (laughs) flip-flops. Anyway, like one of those things like, no. (laughs) Yeah. So waking up the next day to do the next marathon, like every fiber in my being did not want to do it. I was sore. 
from the day before. My foot hurt. My hamstring was cranky. My mind was cranky. <laughs> but, you know, you're like, okay, you're committed. I'm going to do this. And, and showed up and finished in five hours, 53 minutes and 22 seconds. And like I said, it was an epic year because next thing she did was a 50-miler called the North Face Endurance 50-miler in Wisconsin. And this was close to Milwaukee, Wisconsin in a state park. And I don't know why you decided to do a 50-miler. Maybe it was because I think they sponsored the podcast for a time. So they gave us the race registration free. Well, and it's also when you start doing kind of like more and more, you kind of start upping the ante for yourself. By that point, I had done over 35 marathons. And it's kind of like, what's the new challenge? What's the next thing? I had done Chris Leadville, which really reset what was possible in my mind. I had done a 40-miler. And so just, I think a 50-miler seemed like the next logical thing, you know, like, what do you do then? You do a 50-miler. So I finished that in 10 hours, 5 minutes, and 7 seconds. And the next, you did Iowa. We were at the Des Moines Marathon and Half Marathon in October of 2015. It was like two weeks after my 50-miler. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, we did the Des Moines Marathon. We had a great MTA meetup, and they really put on an excellent race there. Des Moines, of course, is the capital of Iowa, so big capital building is incorporated into the metal, really cool metal. We went inside the capital with the kids. We like to do that when we travel. And I do remember the post-race food was amazing at this race. I was really pleasantly surprised at what a great marathon this was. I finished in three hours, 59 minutes, and 41 seconds. It was the last time I would break four hours for a long time. <laughs> so then we did the Marine Corps Marathon again that year. And then the next year, 2016, Angie ran her Florida Marathon. That's right. I did the Jacksonville Bank Marathon as my 41st marathon. And... I remember it was kind of rainy and humid, started in the dark. I finished in 4 hours, 17 minutes, and 40 seconds. Of course, there's a lot of great marathons in Florida that you could have done. Yes, but it was just kind of one of those things where it fit into my schedule, and I was able to go down there and see a friend as well, so kind of just worked out the way it was supposed to. Opportunistic marathon runner you are. (laughs) That's right. And then next you did a marathon that wasn't as convenient because you had to fly, We should say that most of these, to this point, we've driven to. But this one you flew to in Arizona. It was the Lost Dutchman Marathon, and you ran that in February of 2016. That's right. Yeah, this is a beautiful race, just a gorgeous desert scenery around the Phoenix area. And I finished that one in four hours, 32 minutes, and one second. And, of course, like you said, we had kind of gotten to a lot of the ones that in driving distance or along routes that we have family. And so I was having to be more intentional about traveling to races now. And a lot of them ended up being ones that I would travel to by myself because, you know, you would have to stay home with the kids. So, you know, it's kind of just a new adventure in, in different ways for me. So the Lost Dutchman Marathon outside of Phoenix, that was a great race. I do remember one thing. I believe it was at mile 16. I mean, there was like very, very few spectators. It was just out in the desert kind of thing. And there was this very enthusiastic guy at mile 16 shouting, you're almost there. (laughs) And that's like... Was he sincere? Yeah, he was sincere. It was, you know, this old guy probably didn't know how long a marathon was, but he was just (laughs) lending his support, doing his best out there. But of course, when you're doing a marathon, you don't want to hear you're almost there at mile 16. So now we're at the point where there's only like one or two more marathons within driving distance. And so Angie's next state that she did was in North Carolina. That's right. Marathon number 43 was the New South Trail Marathon. It was held outside of Charlotte, North Carolina at the National Whitewater Center. So this is the place where Olympic athletes go to train for whitewater events. Yeah, whitewater rafting. And the kids and I were watching these rafters go along this course, like this man-made river, while you're out there slugging it out in the woods. <laughs> That's right. I remember falling during this race and yeah, gashing bleeding. at my elbow and knee, I think. So there was some blood involved and like tripping over dozens of roots that were sticking up. I just could not seem to keep my balance. I mean, I didn't fall more than once, but just kept tripping and tripping. <laughs> It was one of those marathons. I mean, every marathon's hard, but I remember it was one of those where you finished and you're like, wow, that was harder than I thought it would be. It was two loops. And yeah, that second loop, it was it was really kind of mentally draining. 
And I remember going through the first loop. They kind of had like an aid station there and they had like these really good looking cookies. I thought, oh, I can't wait to finish and I can have a cookie. And then when I finished, there were no cookies left. <laughs> like the only thing you could think of to get yourself through the race. Exactly. And then it was gone. <laughs> Clearly I survived. But yeah, I finished that one in six hours, 27 minutes and 32 seconds. The next race you did was in New Jersey at the New Jersey Marathon. And it rained pretty much the whole time. It did. Yes. This was a marathon where I underdressed, (laughs) overdressed before, but I didn't really realize how chilly it would be and then it would rain and kind of be windy and cold the whole time. This was held um, near Oceanport, New Jersey. And the year I did it, the expo and the starting area was at Monmouth Park Racetrack which has held horse races for a long time. So that was kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, it was relentlessly cold and rainy that whole race. And I was very, very happy to finish. What time did you finish in? Uh, 4.33.10. And a coaching client of mine from New York City had come down to spectate out in the rain. Yeah, Anna Miyagi. That's right. So it was really, really fun to see her afterwards. And I was like, you you know, you didn't need to be out here in this awful rain. <laughs> but it was awesome, yeah. And then you went to North Dakota and ran the Fargo Marathon in Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah, that's right. That was about three weeks later. Um, Flew out to North Dakota. And this is a really neat marathon. I actually stayed in the dorms at the university there, which kind of brought me back to my college days. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot how dorm rooms suck. (laughs) (laughs) But um, the race starts and ends in the Fargo Dome. So it's really cool. You can stay warm before the race. So, yeah, they put on a really, really great event. And I remember being out on the course, and there's these two little boys who are spectating and cheering on runners, and they had this chant. They were saying, go, everyone, go every single person and I just that's adorable I just tickled my fancy it was just so hilarious I just smiled the rest of the race so I finished that one in four hours 30 minutes and nine seconds and then she did California we took our very first cross-country camper trip and we were on the road for about two months and one of the things that we did was end up in California and close to Yosemite Park and she found a race but it happened to be a 50k yes I did the shadow of the giants 50k in California And it was kind of one of those really funky trail races where everything's really casual and the race director was a real character. (laughs) Most politically incorrect race director. Yeah, he was saying some interesting, inappropriate things. Something about like, he loves to do these races because he can hug all the women or something. And then he was giving out expired beer at the finish line. Right. And like old running gear he didn't want. (laughs) His prizes. It was was funny. And they didn't give out medals either. Um, I finished that one in six hours, 24 minutes, 28 seconds. It ended up being my fastest 50K. And then I made my own medal. I bought an agate, kind of a circular agate with a hole in the middle that had been mined from that area and put it on kind of like a leather strap lanyard. And so I had this really cool, unique medal that no one else in the entire world has. (laughs) And then the next year, Angie resumed her 50-state quest and went out to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, ran the beautiful Jackson Hole Marathon. That's right. I took about a year off from races just because I was having some health issues and really needed to get my hormones rebalanced and start feeling good again. And so when I returned to racing in September of 2017, I did the Jackson Hole Marathon. The whole area is gorgeous. I mean, you have to be there and experience it. I met up with a friend from Montana. She did her first half marathon there. So we just had a really, really fun weekend together. Um, I decided because I just was kind of coming back to marathons that I was going to run according to heart rate. And I was going to keep my heart rate in zone two the whole time just to keep it really easy. So I did that, enjoyed the race, finished in five hours, 19 minutes and 42 seconds. And my friend finished her half marathon and I think swore never to do another one. (laughs) (laughs) But we went whitewater rafting that weekend, just had a blast. It It was so much fun. And then you went to Maine, so from Wyoming to Maine. I did the Mount Desert Island Marathon in Maine. It's near Bar Harbor, near Acadia National Park. So just a gorgeous, gorgeous area. It was fall, so the foliage was all changing colors. This is one you've wanted to do for a while. I had my eye on this one for Maine for a long time. So I was so happy to have the chance to do it. It was a very hilly race. And such a beautiful place, but I think it was so foggy that you couldn't see anything anyway. 
during the first part of the race, there is gorgeous ocean views, but it, the fog had socked in so thick that you couldn't see just beyond a few feet. So that was a little bit disappointing, but I still enjoyed what scenery was available and finished that one in four hours, 56 minutes, and 42 seconds. And then she went to Delaware. Actually, our whole family went down there, and you ran the Rehoboth Beach Marathon in Rehoboth Beach. Yeah, this is a great marathon. They really put on a a wonderful event. It's pretty flat. Um, It has a combination of boardwalk and a trail section and roads. And they put on a great after-race party with lots of food and everything. So, And I finished that one in 4 hours, 43 minutes, and 12 seconds. So the next race that came around was a marathon in Rhode Island called the Rhode Island Races Newport. Yes, this was in Newport, Rhode Island. It was my 52nd marathon. So the race just basically started like right by the beach. Got to see the sunrise come up. Just really gorgeous. Weather was good. I remember feeling pretty strong and really in a good place mentally during the marathon. Finished in four hours, 23 minutes and 21 seconds. And just kind of enjoyed a nice weekend away by myself. And then next you went to Minnesota and did the Grandma's Marathon. And this was part of another summer camping trip where we were driving to Alaska, in fact, this time. And this was a lot of fun. I didn't run it because I was with the kids, but we had a huge meetup. It was amazing how many people we had come out at the Grandma's Marathon in Minnesota. It was one of our largest meetups, I think. Yes, Grandma's Marathon is is an awesome race. Really encourage people to do this one. If, it's in Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, if you want to go up to Minnesota, nice flat course. Usually the weather is, is pretty decent. And so, yeah, I finished this one in 4 hours, 21 minutes, and 46 seconds. And then we finally made it to Alaska, and Angie did the Juno Marathon. And if you don't know the story, we actually drove to Alaska from where we live in Pennsylvania we pulled a camper, and I listed all the numbers and all the stats on our website when we did the big recap of our summer travels. I think we called it Angie and Trevor's Most Excellent Summer Adventure. <laughs> Sounds like something you would call it. <laughs> I think you came up with that name, actually. Did I? So it was over 9,000 miles of driving. We drove all the way up through Canada and down into Skagway, Alaska, and then took the ferry, put our camper and everything on the ferry, and went to Juneau, and you ran the Juneau Marathon. Yes, Alaska is just amazing. I mean, I feel like we barely scratched the surface of what Alaska has to offer. But did the Juneau Marathon. It was a small race. It was a lot smaller than I thought it would be. Yeah, it was not that well supported. And honestly, the course could have been, you know, maybe a little better. It was an out and back. Not a close course. Um, A lot of it was just kind of in the trees. There was a section where it opened up and you could see the Mendenhall Glacier. So there there was, you know, some beautiful sections, but like no porta pots along the course. That's weird. (laughs) It was a little bit sketchy. But interestingly enough, I ran with a lady who was also pursuing her 50 state goal. And it turns out she is in Hawaii this week doing her 50th state as well. She's doing the uh, Maui Marathon. Which is on Sunday. On Sunday. But it was so interesting that we both did Alaska at the same time, and now we're both finishing up in Hawaii in the same weekend. (laughs) That's awesome. But yeah, Alaska, I remember my foot, I was having a lot of foot pain. In the last half, it just felt like a death march. I finished that one in five hours, 19 minutes, and 10 seconds. Then you went to Scotland, did the Loch Ness Marathon, but we can't count that. (laughs) And then... The next year, 2019, in February, you flew out to Las Vegas, Nevada, did a little marathon out there. Yes, I did the Red Rock Marathon, and it's located outside of Las Vegas. Uh, the Red Rock Canyon is just a gorgeous area, which is so different from kind of the city vibe of Las Vegas. But of course, I like small marathons. I love scenery like that. I decided for this race um, that I was going to speed walk the whole marathon. So no running whatsoever, just speed walking, using like the speed walking race rules. Which means you have to keep one foot on the ground at all time. Exactly. And so there's a whole different form to use when you speed walk. Now, I'm a fast walker um, as it is, but this one I just really wanted to push myself to see how fast I could walk. And it was, it was a hilly course. I mean, a lot of it was uphill and there was downhill. So it was a different feel when you're speed walking like uphill and downhill. You're using a lot of different muscles. And having to resist the urge to run on the downhills is very challenging, but just gorgeous, gorgeous scenery and was able to speed walk the marathon in five hours, 31 minutes and 21 seconds. The next race you did after we did the London Marathon in 2019, we were driving 
west again, do another cross-country camping trip. And uh, on the way there, we went through Charlevoix, Michigan, and you did the beautiful Charlevoix Marathon. So yeah, it's a smaller marathon, but I'd heard good things about it. And I was kind of just curious. I had been losing weight um, intentionally and getting faster and thought, oh, this will be a great race to kind of just see where my fitness is at. So we got to camp near Lake Michigan and... I had a really, a really great race. I felt mentally strong and felt good physically. The whole race really pushed and was able to finish in 339.25, which ended up being a BQ by just a tiny margin and got first in my age group. So it was kind of one of those unexpected, really great marathons. And then next you did the Black Hills 50K in South Dakota. That's right. A week later, um, we routed ourselves through South Dakota and did the 50K there because that was kind of the only race during that time frame. So I, I could check off South Dakota. And it was it was a beautiful race. But it was challenging. I mean, I was tired from doing a marathon the week before, especially a, a faster marathon for me. And it was hot. I think it was like 80 degrees mm-hmm. early in the morning. So it was very warm. And I'm not really a very good hot weather runner. But managed to stay strong and finish in seven hours, 41 minutes and 44 seconds. And just, you know, was out there just trying to enjoy the day and, and be so grateful that I had a strong body and was able to be in the mountains. Well, we are in the home stretch here with only four states to go. And the next state is Connecticut. Angie ran an amazing race for her at uh, the Hartford Marathon in October. That's right. I took some time off after my summer races, and I really wanted to train for a PR and knew that the Hartford Marathon in Connecticut would be a great place to do that. It's a flat course. It's a mid-sized marathon. They really put on a great event. I went there and just decided to run my very best. I felt good and was able to run a new PR, finished in three hours, 29 minutes, 32 seconds. So my first time breaking 3.30 and, you know, it was the first time I had PR'd in over six and a half years. So there was a long dry spell of not getting faster in there and was able to BQ by over 10 minutes. So, wow, it was an incredible high to be able to cross the finish line, feeling so strong and, and just really, really happy and grateful. I was able to accomplish that. Yeah, just to give you that story arc for a second. I mean, from the first time you BQ'd at the foot traffic flat, that was back in 2014. Then 2015, you had this epic year. You did all kinds of ultras and crazy mountain marathons. 2016, you took the year off because you were dealing with a hormone imbalance and unexpected weight gain and just went through a, a low time in your fitness. You still kept running. You still kept exercising, but you weren't racing. Um, you were just letting your body rest and trying to figure out what was going on. And it's kind of been a journey. You have built yourself back into, well, I mean, healthier than you've ever been, fitter than you've ever been. And came through that low point and then boom, ran faster than maybe you ever expected that you would at the age of 40 in Connecticut at the Hartford Marathon. Shiny new PR. Yeah, for my 60th marathon. Like, yeah, for the sixth, sixth I mean, that goes to show you that you can get faster the older you get still. That's right. Yeah. Don't count yourself out if you're going through a low patch, because if you run long enough, you're going to go through some hard times, um, maybe mentally, maybe physically, maybe both. You know, don't be afraid to try new things, persevere. And, you know, you never know what your running future has in store. So for state number 48, Angie did a Halloween themed marathon in Norwich, Vermont. That's right. We decided we wanted to do Hawaii as my 50th state. So we'd scheduled that one for January. But then I was like, okay, I need to finish up two more northeastern states and kind of had to, you know, get creative about finding races. So I found the Norwich Marathon, just a very small marathon located in Norwich, Vermont, and just a beautiful, beautiful area, but very hilly. And it ended up raining the whole entire race. So it was just rainy and cold. Another race where my hands were just freezing. Yeah, it sounded miserable. (laughs) It was tough to get out of the car when you're there in the morning and you just have look, to get out of the car look outside and it's just rain 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 relentless rain like, oh this is gonna be a suffer fest <laughs> you know what's coming you know you're just kind of like oh maybe if i sit here five minutes longer it'll stop raining nope <laughs> time to get out of the car fun fact angie was actually the first place overall winner of this marathon for a while <laughs> we thought yeah <laughs> and she was dethroned <laughs> 
Yes, they had their timing system messed up. Um, Because of the miserable conditions, the first place female and first place overall finisher just crossed the finish line and ran straight back to her car. And so then when I finished, they assumed that I was the first place overall and female finisher. So that, you know, lasted for like a day until they realized their mistake and then um, told me that I was the second place overall finisher uh, with a time of four hours, five minutes and 51 seconds. And then state number 49 was New Hampshire. You ran the Manchester City Marathon. Yeah, that was back in November of 2019. And my sister Autumn and I took a trip to Manchester uh, by ourselves. She did uh, the half marathon there. We had a really fun sisters weekend. This was my third marathon in 30 days. Yep. So I was feeling tired. We'll just put it that way. My body was tired from, you know, doing a PR, doing extremely hilly, wet marathon. So yeah, I was feeling a bit like physically and mentally worn down, but also very excited to be doing my 49th state and have the the fun weekend with my sister. My finish time was three hours, 43 minutes and one second, and I ended up being second in my age group. So there is a look back at all 49 states and tomorrow, which will be January 18th, 2020, Angie will run her final state, the singular moment in her life. (laughs) Her whole life has been building toward this moment. Let's not overstate it. (laughs) No pressure, Angie. (laughs) This will be your destiny fulfilled. Unless something goes very, very wrong. But yes, I'm looking forward to running my 50th state tomorrow and just so thankful for the MTA community who has been so encouraging and been sharing this journey with me. You know, some people from the very beginning for many years, uh, some people who are, you know, more recent listeners and just the most positive and amazing people. So I kind of feel like it's for them as well. It's for the people. (laughs) Yeah, well said. You guys are awesome. And almost every race we talked about, by the way, you can find a full race recap. And we also have this map over on the website in various places where you can click on the state and see which races Angie has done in those states because some states she doubled up on. And if you are on your 50-state quest or any kind of quest, Angie, what can we say to those people? I would say enjoy the journey. Um, Often we spend so much time thinking about that end goal and that finish line that... Sometimes you can get impatient along the way, like, when am I going to be done? Or you kind of get really obsessive about all the details along the way. But it will go faster than you think it will. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of sitting here thinking, how am I already doing my 50th state? <laughs> yep. um, so enjoy the journey. Enjoy the training. I mean, it's, it's all part of it. And it can all make you into a stronger person, a mentally tougher person, a better version of yourself. And like Bart Yasso says, you never know where running can take you. So that is a look back at the 49 states that Angie has checked off in the run-up to her 50th state. Wow, we just got through a list of 49 things. Hopefully people are not exhausted from that quick trip (laughs) through the states. (laughs) And Angie mentioned just all of the energy and love that she's received from listeners who've been following her journey. Uh, One such listener I would like to play a a soundbite with, and that is Jenny Greenlee. She's actually from Hawaii, lives on the island of Oahu, and is actually here this race weekend. That's right. We saw her real quick in the parking lot and can't wait to spend more time with her at the meetup. And as we get closer to our 10-year podcasting anniversary, we've kind of gathered up soundbites and clips from Folks have been listening since the very beginning, and just to find out why they listen to the podcast, when they listen, uh, what they do for a living, and how they uh, manage to get their runs done in spite of being busy like all of you are. So here's that conversation with longtime listener and Academy member, Jenny Greenlee. All right, I'm talking now with Jenny Greenlee from Hawaii. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's very early, and I've had no coffee, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's <Good>. Okay. <laughs> So how long have you been listening to the MTA podcast? Since the beginning, I started running uh, beginning of 2010. And what attracted you to the MTA podcast back in the day? I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I got on there and I searched the podcast for anything that was running related. So you guys were one that came up. And I really liked that Angie was a nurse. And since I'm a nurse, that kind of drew me in. Do you work nights as a nurse still? 
I do. I'm full-time nights in the ER, and okay. then I'm full-time grad student also during the day. When do you have time to run between all that? Well, I'm actually going to go after I get done with this because I, tr- I try to run in the morning before I go to bed for the night. Um, I'll run this morning. I'll take a nap and then get up and do what I need to do. And then I started actually started a little running group in our community here. And so Sundays is always a day I run, even though I work Sunday night. Cool. And and when do you find yourself listening to the podcast? Like It's always when I'm running. Though okay. when Bella found out I was doing this, she made me promise to listen in the car with her so she could hear it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So how many marathons or half marathons have you done since you started back in 2010? Oh, I've done two marathons and then I'm more of a half marathon person. So I've done, I think like 12 or 15, maybe a little bit more. Awesome. You know, I, I just enjoy doing it. It's my stress relief. I initially started actually because my niece ran the Disney princess half marathon and I'm a Disney freak, and I wanted to do the Princess Half Marathon, and then it just it hooked me in. It just makes me feel good. So looking back on almost 300 episodes of the MTA podcast, are there any that kind of rise up in your mind that you remember that you especially liked or laughed at? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I laugh almost every time. I, you guys are just so awesome together. And for me, I really liked that when you were first running because I was new. So Mm -hmm. I was able to kind of share in your struggles. You've, you know, far surpassed me. I think you run probably a lot more than I do. But um, it was just it's fun listening to you because I have more of a running style like you do. In my head, I would like to say that I am OCD and bam, bam, bam. But my the rest of me doesn't follow suit. And I miss a lot of training runs and, you know. Yeah. I'm a little bit more um, relaxed, I guess. <laughs> the struggle is real. It is real. It's very real trying to, to fit everything in that I want to do. And I really enjoyed following your growing up, I guess, because I was growing up at the same time. And um, it made it relevant, I guess, is yeah. for me and my story. So We had an episode when I was training for my first marathon. I don't remember which number it was, but it was me being debriefed by Angie about my training or lack thereof. And it was called, the episode was called Confessions of a Lazy Runner. Yes, I remember that one. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember the the first marathon or or that first report where she was talking about how she kept going, come on, come on, just a little further, stop, you know, stop walking, you know, and all that. And yep. that's me when, if I'm by myself, I kind of, I can sometimes peter out. I try to run with people when I can, just because they motivate me to keep going. Sometimes not kindly, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being a longtime listener, Jenny, and uh, Academy member. And I'll let you get on with your, uh, well, you probably need to go to sleep since you work last night, right? I got to go do my run first. Oh, that's right. All right. Thank you so much, Trevor. All right. Big thanks to Jenny Greenlee for taking time to speak with me. Well, that's it for this episode. Next time you hear from us, Angie will be recapping the Revel Coolia Marathon in Hawaii. We're so excited about that. If you want to contact us, you can through our website, marathontrainingacademy.com. And of course, while you're over there, look at what we have on offer to help you reach your running goals. Love to have you in the academy or pair you up with one of our amazing running coaches. You can learn more about that over on our website. Until next time, be safe out there. Keep taking action. And remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way.